It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, with its own needs. Let me give your own head, beat it up, and I've seen that no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down, like fire in a fire, with the system of the gang, and the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, leave the jury, it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom. I mean it. <laughs> and Bloom, grouchy voice. Your voice That's right. is scratchy. Well, I'm, I'm scratchy and gravelly today. Please, you need some water. Please forgive me. <laughs> hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a tincture of tranquility in a tremulous world. <laughs> I'm Joe Halton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 900 posts, videos, and podcasts, closing in on 1,000 actually, on medical preparedness for any disaster. Well, you better get writing. I better get writing. Yeah, I know. Got to get to that big one K. Absolutely. Folks, send us topics you want us to talk about. Who Uh, are you? You better introduce yourself. People don't know who you are. You think you're some lady just walking by (laughs) on the street. Well, I saw you talking on a microphone. I thought I might chime in. And I appreciate it. I do. Well, actually, I am Amy Alton. And I'm also known as Nurse Amy, and I'm Advanced Registered Nurse Practitioner and also a Certified Nurse Midwife. That's right. And the hostess with the mostess, our mission, to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. We are the Gang of Two, and we're here to help you keep it together. absolutely. Even if everything else falls apart. Which hopefully it will not. That's right. (laughs) Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident? With a salacious salamander, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but what are you going to do to help your loved ones when modern medicine isn't just around the corner? When things go south, you might be the highest medical asset left to your family. So activate that light bulb in your brain and learn what to do for injuries and illness in disasters. Just plain old common sense to get some supplies and a solid medical kit to go along with that knowledge. And what better place to get it than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you handle medical issues when the you-know-what hits the fan 
and they're designed by a real doctor and advanced registered nurse practitioner. Compare them for contents, quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff. <laughs> and if you're smarter than a box of frogs, you'll agree <laughs> our kits are the ones you should have in your medical storage. <laughs> What's up, Buttercup? <clears throat> hey, you know, we learn as much from you as you do from us, so why not connect with us? We're so lonely. And it's easy. Here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. <laughs> it's true. We're a little lonely. <laughs> oh. Only so please. the lonely. Aw. Only the lonely. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. <laughs> Although, I still think you need water, but that's for another day. You can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. Have a couple of Facebook pages you can like and follow. Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. And we have a Twitter at Prepper Show, which we are getting much more active. I'm giving out handy-dandy do-it-yourself tips, some gardening tips, how to help yourself, natural remedy tips. You're even posting some stuff. You put up a potato. Uh, yeah, about... make, a, make a cold compress or a warm compress with a potato. Boil it first and put it, either heat it in one way or another and, and wrap with a towel. And there you have a nice hot compress. and Or you can put it on ice or, or cool it off in some way and you can have a cold compress too. That's so interesting. Yep. Now, if you're camping, you can make baked potatoes. Yep. And then put them at the bottom of your sleeping bag. There you go. <laughs> warm them you up. up with yeah, a towel. Warm things up. There you go. <laughs> Actually, you know what they recommend for that is uh, using rocks. Right. Heat up rocks right, in the right. fire. Don't make them too hot, folks. But make sure you wrap them up in a towel because you don't want to directly touch the rock. And you can put those at the bottom of your sleeping bag to keep your feet nice and toasty. See all these great tips at Prepper Show on Twitter. Also, we have a YouTube channel, which is Dr. Bones. Nurse Amy and Nurse Amy. Uh, let's see what else. We have another radio show, darling. Oh, that's right. We have American Survival Radio, our current events broadcast, and that is with GCNLive.com. That is GCNLive, Genesis Communications Network, and also broadcast from a number of radio stations throughout the country KPJC, Relevant News Talk Radio out of Salem, Oregon, uh, Lubbock, Texas, KRFE. Uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, KFAR. On the internet, you'll find us on, with the Prepper Broadcasting Network, uh, KIMB Internet Radio, and a lot of other ones as well. Absolutely. And don't forget to see us when we travel the country spreading the good word of medical preparedness. Now, we're not going to tell you the whole schedule, but we'll tell you the next show. Absolutely. We're going to be at Mother Earth News, and that is May 6th and 7th in Asheville. I want to mention one more thing quickly. Doomandbloom.net. Go to the Pages class. I have a brand new, probably once only this entire year, is our eight-hour medical class. And we're going to put that on in Tennessee. Yeah, Kodak, Tennessee. Eastern Tennessee between Knoxville and Sevierville. Tennessee, right on uh, US 40. Yeah, so easy to get to. And it is May 13th, a full day of education and training hands-on. Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't get to do that very often because we're always traveling oh, to shows and things goodness. like that. But we're going to be in our home in I'm Gatlinburg. So and uh, we're going to be happy to put together a show there. Yep, limited number of seats, folks. If you want to have a full day of training, 
including Suture suturing class, and, right. and how to stop hemorrhaging, all kinds of trauma, please sign up fast. That's right. But if we're not able to see you there in Tennessee, don't forget we are going to be from Vermont to the West Coast this year. So don't forget to check us out. We'll be telling you about classes as they come up. Well, let's talk a little bit about some medical stuff. The gallbladder, which is something that I haven't talked about for a long time, gallstones and other kinds of stones are things that can be major issues. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. You may not know what the gallbladder actually is. And it's a hollow sort of sac-like organ that's attached to the liver. It stores a thick liquid substance called bile. I'm sure you've heard of that. And the liver secretes that to help you digest fats. And what happens is, is after a meal, the gallbladder contracts and sort of passes some of that bile through to the small intestine through tubes called ducts. And these ducts will allow the bile to get into the intestinal tract and help you digest your fats. Now, unfortunately, some people have excess cholesterol in their bile, and that can cause solidifying of these deposits. And result is the formation of stones, stones that can be anywhere from the size of a grain of sand all the way to the size of a golf ball, for goodness sake. And these are commonly referred to as gallstones. Uh, gallstones are pretty common. About 10 to 15% of the population is thought to have them. That means for you as survival medic that a large enough group of people in your mutual assistance group is likely going to include somebody that has a condition. Now, some people, I would say most people actually, won't have any symptoms of that. But about 1% or 2%, however, will have problems when the stones block the ducts that allow bile to ex- exit the gallbladder And as the gallbladder becomes distended from this excess accumulation of bile, you can have a lot of discomfort. And uh, the inflammation that's caused by this condition, which uh, occurs not just in the gallbladder, but also in the surrounding tissues, the pancreas, the liver, is called cholecystitis. Cholecystitis. Now, there are two main types of gallstones, cholesterol stones, like what I mentioned, and those are the grand majority. And interestingly enough, these may not be related to your actual cholesterol levels in your blood. And then people with perfectly normal cholesterol levels in the bloodstream may actually have gallstones, cholesterol gallstones. There are also things called pigment stones, and uh, these types of stones occur in people who have illnesses that destroy red blood cells. And the byproduct of the destruction of red blood cells is something is a substance called bilirubin, and that can form stones. It's uh, a, a less common case, but it does happen. There could be called bilirubin stones or pigment stones. Now, the pain associated with cholecystitis is known as biliary colic, and it's cramping in nature. It usually is seen in the upper right quadrant of the abdomen. If you divide your belly into four quadrants, and it's going to be in the upper right quadrant, and it radiates to the back. Now, if it's not relieved, the the inflammation that occurs in the pancreas, the liver, the gallbladder can become life-threatening in some cases. A a severe blockage of the bile duct with all this inflammation can lead to a lot of general symptoms like fever, uh, nausea and vomiting, Uh, There can be jaundice. Jaundice is a yellowing of the skin and eyes caused by an excessive accumulation of bilirubin, what I mentioned before. Gallstones are commonly 
diagnosable, though. They're easily seen on ultrasound. But, of course, you will not have modern technology if you're off the grid and you are the survival medic. Uh, the classic finding on physical exam is it's not too hard to find it on physical exam, and it's called looking for Murphy's sign. Murphy, Mr. Mur- Dr. Murphy. Uh, you press with one hand just below the midline of the lowest rib on the front right. You press As you press down, you ask your patient to breathe in deeply. And if the gallbladder is inflamed, well, the patient's going to complain of tenderness at the site. So that's Murphy's sign. Now, of course, in a less politically correct era, there were risk factors described as the four Fs. And I think they still have some relevance today. And so I'm going to mention them for, well, let's say at least for historical purposes, please don't get offended. They are fat. F, first F is fat. The majority of those people that have gallstones are overweight. Female, uh, the majority of sufferers are women. 40, most sufferers are indeed over 40 years old. And fertile, most women have, uh, with gallstones, have had children. So that's the four Fs, fat, female, 40, and fertile. Now, today more Sensitive souls preferred the acronym GOLD, G-O-L-D, and G stands for genetics, and that's a good point. Ethnicity does play a role. People like Hispanics and Native Americans seem to have more gallbladder issues than Caucasians do, and Caucasians have more gallbladder issues than African Americans. Uh, O is for obesity. There's your fat. Obesity, especially in women, is associated with at least twice the frequency of gallbladder disease. That the location, L, the location of body fat, is important. Those with obesity that's concentrated in their torso, belly fat, for example, are more likely to be at risk. And D stands for diabetes. Those people with diabetes, indeed, are more likely to have gallstones. So that's G-O-L-D. Now, the most common treatment for gallstones, other than pain medicine, is to surgically remove it. You can live without a gallbladder, and you can stay healthy. They remove not just the st- they don't just remove the stones, they remove the entire gallbladder. And indeed, over 800,000 gallbladder surgeries are performed each year. They call them cholecystectomies, cholecystitis, inflammation of the gallbladder, cholecystectomy, removal of the gallbladder. Uh, there are new methods that are not surgical. There's something called shockwave therapy. There are acid treatments uh, that dissolve some of these stones. They may have a future in uh, non-surgical therapies for gallbladder disease are not used as commonly as gallbladder surgery since gallbladder surgery is now usually one of those uh, minimally invasive procedures, uh, laparoscopies, which I did a lot of uh, back in the day. Of course, in survival, there's not a heck of a lot of high technology, so you have to know some alternative remedies that might be helpful, and we'll talk about those next week. Hey, we're proud to be the medical experts for our friend Jack Spierko's popular survival podcast, Expert Counsel. And you know, we get questions from time to time that are useful to share with listeners on our podcast. So here's one about fish hooks, things you need to know, and things we haven't really talked about for a long time. Here it is. Hi, Joe Alton, MD here, also known as Dr. Bones of the survival medicine website, doomandbloom.net. Now with close to 1,000, wow, articles, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness. This week's question for the expert counsel comes from Dean, who writes, Spring is coming, and I've got thoughts of taking my wife and son on a fishing and camping trip to a state park. This got me thinking about what I should bring and how 
should I treat myself or my family if a fishing hook accidentally gets stuck through a finger or other body part? It would be interesting to hear the differences between what one should do with or without the modern medical system and what tools, bandages, and medications should be in our kit for this emergency. Dean, even if you're an accomplished fisherman, you will eventually wind up with a fish hook embedded in you somewhere, probably your hand. Since the hook probably has worm guts or other remnants of bait in it, start off by cleaning the area thoroughly with an antiseptic. So therefore, your kit should have lots of antiseptics to help prevent infection. There are several ways to remove a fish hook. The retrograde technique is the simplest. It works especially well for barbless or superficially embedded hooks, which are, I admit, probably the minority. Start by applying downward pressure to the shank of the hook, and this maneuver helps rotate the hook deeper and also to disengage the barb from the tissue. The hook can then be backed out of the skin along the point of entry. No obvious medical supplies needed for that. Another method uses an 18-gauge or larger IV needle in your medical kit, and that can be advanced along the entry wound of a fish hook. The direction of insertion should be parallel to the shank, which admittedly requires some dexterity. The bevel of the needle should point towards the inside of the curve of the fish hook, enabling the needle opening to engage the barb. It's important to have the bevel pointed in the correct direction so that the longer edge of the needle matches the angle of the fish hook point. Advance the fish hook to disengage the barb, then pull and twist it so that the point actually enters the opening of the IV needle. I told you you need some dexterity here. You can then back out the fish hook the same way as in the previous technique that I mentioned, taking care to move the needle along the track with the fish hook. Now, if this doesn't work, you may have to advance the fish hook further along the skin until the barbed end comes out again. Ouch! At this point, you might need a wire cutter, so that might be something that's very useful to have, and separate the barbed end from the shank. Then just pull the shank out from whence it came. Wash the area again, cover with a bandage, so some bandages would probably be very useful, and you have to observe carefully over time for signs of infection. After removal of the fish hook, explore the area for foreign bodies, for example, little pieces of bait that might be left in the wound, it's usually okay to leave the wound open. Just apply an antibiotic ointment, another thing that you might need, and a bandage on top. Tetanus toxoid in normal times should be administered to persons for whom more than five years have elapsed since their last tetanus booster. And antibiotics can be used, certainly are useful to have, but they might best be reserved for wounds that begin to show signs of infection, like redness, swelling, and warmth around the injury. And that's our expert Council question of the week from Jack Spierko Survival Podcast. Hey, you know, we are happy to have our good friend Jack Richland of the popular YouTube channel Black Scout Survival back on the show. Jack is the owner of BlackScoutSurvival.com and an eight-year veteran of the U.S. Marine Corps. Thanks for your service, Jack. We really appreciate it. Jack is also an editor for the survival magazine Outdoor by Four and a consultant on popular survival television shows. Now here's Nurse Amy with Jack. Hey, Jack, are you there? Yes. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming back on. Uh, I think it's been two years since you've been on the show. Yes, glad to be back. And it felt like it hadn't <laughs> been that long, but it felt like we just did uh, you know last uh, last year, but time flies. So. It does. It really does. Now, um, I've read a little bio, but why don't you tell me in your own words um, a little bit about your background? 
I grew up in the country. I guess most would probably consider deep country. Uh, we didn't have a stoplight where I lived at. So, you know, growing up in the country, you obviously, like, have an innate ability for survival. A lot of things you do for recreation teaches you a lot of the survival skills. And I'm not saying, you know, like, you're doing, like, primitive survival, but you could survive. You know, there's a lot of good old country boys that can really go get it done if they needed to. You know, that was a good foundation for me. After uh, I graduated high school, I went to the uh, Marines, and I served eight years, did a lot of different things there, deployed all over the world, learned a lot. And it kind of like, you know, fed my appetite for training and the, the experiences I had and really, you know, I guess laying on top of that foundation I already had from growing up in the country on my, you know, survival mindset, obviously got trained in survival in the Marines, and, and that gave me a, a desire to, like, learn more about it. That's where I really, like, wet my taste buds for survival. Mm-hmm. And so then after I got out of the Marines, um, I really dedicated myself to perfecting my idea of survival. You know, everybody has different ideas, like, you know, you get your bushcrafters and stuff like that, but I have this idea about survival, and it's a very uh, broad thing. And so, it takes a lot of different skill sets. I'm not, you know, single scope, I guess you'd say. And what that ultimately led me to do is after I, you know, developed the way I wanted things, you know, or how my concept of survival, I wanted to put that information out there and ultimately uh, um, developed Black Scout Survival. And uh, we, we start off as a store and, and an online resource and then uh, accidentally wound up doing YouTube, <clears throat> just a few YouTube videos. The videos took off. And so then we thought, well, maybe we need to keep doing this. And so now today we have, you know, just over 200,000 subscribers, um, you know. And, you know, the, the YouTube thing is definitely, it makes you a, a, a face to the community. Like, you know, you go places people recognize you and stuff. And, and what that did, though, uh, for, for me as an individual, um, opened some outlets like I've worked with uh, various television shows for consultants. You know, these are things I, I don't talk about on YouTube a lot just because I, I sign NDAs non-disclosure agreements so I can't talk about them so you'll you'll have these chair chairborne commandos on YouTube saying oh you don't know what you're talking about well I'm getting paid to, to go consult um, now the TV shows you watch I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting paid to go teach these guys how to do what they're doing it opened up a lot of avenues for me and uh, you know I'm just stoked at where it has become today and you know a lot of people have the same ideas you know it's just you know a concept and you know we share a lot of the same ideas as well so it's awesome I'm, I'm happy where we are and hopefully we just keep growing I think that's fantastic I mean 200,000 people and that's just the ones that have actually subscribed there is also a whole nother community out there of people who are watching but aren't yeah. actually subscribing so although you have 200,000 people that that click subscribe you could have who knows, a million people who just watch sort of anonymously just because hey, they're not subscribed. It's amazing the audience that you can reach with YouTube. And I really congratulate you for putting out amazing information and being able to actually put out such great information that you're like, oh, yeah, I'll push that button. Because especially in the prepper survival community, we're all a little nervous about subscribing to things, giving our phone yeah. number out giving our email every time I go to a store they're like do you want to sign up for my giveaway or my store email email list or whatever yeah Yeah. and I'm like no I don't want to give you my yeah I don't do that (laughs) or they'll say 
you know, give me your email. And I'm, I look at them, usually the clerk's about 18 years old, and I'm like, no. And they're shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's a big thing in this world of survival and preppers that, you know, we kind of, as much as we can control, which is probably very little, not put our name out or push buttons that tell the world, hey, I'm watching survival videos. <laughs> so yeah. your, your well, 200,000 is probably a drop in the bucket of, of who's actually watching. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because, you know, I've looked at at my analytics and actually 78% of my viewers are not subscribed. And so, you know, and if you look, I think I got over 26 million views. um, Exactly. And it's it's funny because, you know, I I try to be very engaged with with, uh, the community. So, you know, if people contact me, I try to contact back with time willing, you know. Obviously, I got, you know, some things going on, so I may not be very quick, but I try to get back to everybody. And I've, I, I have, you know, some long-term guys, guys with, with me for a long time, uh, viewers and stuff like that. And I know one particular guy, I mean, he's he's been with me since, like, day one. He's not subscribed to channels. He doesn't want to subscribe to anything, but he watches my right. videos, you know, every day. So it's crazy. It's just, yeah. that, that's, that's where the community is, and I, and I get it. Some people exactly. don't want to, you know, put, put their information out there. <laughs> Another thing is even liking the video. People are even yeah. afraid to like because YouTube, if you don't turn that off, people can see what videos you like. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And it's sort of a way to be tracked. So anyway, well, I, we, we both, you and I, appreciate people liking our videos. Thank you. Because I, yeah, I know it's, it's, you know, it's, it's against what we're kind of told when you're first becoming a, a prepper. Is don't, oh, yeah. don't give your name out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, Let's talk about your worldview. Uh, since we have talked to you, there is a new president, a new change of administration. So, and there's a lot of things going on in the world these days. Um, so tell me what you think. Is everything peachy king or are we going to heck in a handbasket? You know, I feel like no matter who, who's there, I always feel that way because <laughs> – it's not so much our leadership, but the the society around us, and the society has more of a voice every year as we grow, you know, with social media and stuff like that. And it's kind of like things that are that were good morally are now evil, and vice versa. Happy that uh, Trump's president. I think that no matter what he does during his this four years, I don't I, pro- I don't think he'll probably get reelected. But I think anything he does during these four years that he'll be criticized for, you know, and I think that's why it happens to every president, Obama, and everybody else. There's going to be sides criticizing what they do, you know. But, you know, I, I wish that people would give him a, a fair shot just because, I mean, let's see what he has to offer. Maybe he won't be a good president, but maybe he will. And, you know, you got to give everybody uh, opportunity to prove themselves. You know, don't, don't count somebody as a failure before they get started. You know, I think obviously he's a very intelligent man. Um, you know, I, I'm not a billionaire, and I think it probably, you know, takes some sort of intelligence or making the right decisions to get there, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, obviously, you know, connections. And, and I think there's a division in the country. I think we've seen that with the election. I think we see, you know, the race being a division. I think we're constantly, you know, being divided. And, you know, I, I've, I'm sure you and the, the listeners probably have heard this a million times. They say that's how Rome collapsed. And, you know, every great, you know, first world nation, that's how they collapse because of the mm-hmm. internal division. And, you know, the only thing that I know that I've seen 
in my lifetime that actually corrected that was 9-11 and brought people together during that time. And we were on a united front against terrorism. But I feel like that's been long forgotten. And I don't know if it's because these kids are now adults that they didn't know about that. They didn't care about that. And they're not patriotic, maybe. I don't know. But, you know, I've seen a, a, a like a meme or something. There's a kid walking down the street with a sign that says patriotism is racism. And, oh, uh, I mean, it, it's no. totally, that, that totally disgusted me. I mean, it, it's sad. You, dude, you, you wouldn't be holding that sign if it wasn't for patriots, you know, putting on the uniform and, and going to go put foot behind, um, you know, for you to have a voice. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to, you know, correct our society or if it will even be corrected. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the, just in this country. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the world. We've got Russia, which, frankly, I yeah. wish they would get out of the news. Um, yeah. So we've got them to deal with, especially after, you know, we, we sort of kind of bombed a little tiny portion of Syria. Um, and there's the fight over whether we should or should not remove Assad. And then we've got North Korea with the the little, I don't even know how to describe him, half-retarded, uh, yeah. like, like games, war <laughs> yeah. games. I mean, the kid, the kid has not got a light bulb that is even, even dim. I would call him like out. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. He looks he, like he's not totally there. No, he's, he's not. And it, it's just, he, he's insane. And where's 007 to, to, you know, I hate to say it, take him out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How sad. <laughs> we were just having to deal with this retard. Um, yeah. You know? Oh. So, so anyway, you know, and then we're trying to play with China nice, but we're saying, oh, you, you know, you got to take care of North Korea. And then there's the whole trade thing and the, the South Sea where they're building the islands. There's just so much going on. Um, yeah. And we well, you know, our economies. What do you think might trigger some crazy event in this world? What's, what's your take on this? Well, I think we're in a very vulnerable state because because of the situation. But you know, I, I love I love doing this podcast because you know, unlike you two, we can actually talk about real things. <laughs> and so, you know, I hear a lot of people like, let me just start off with the Syria thing. Is that some people are, are against the the, the bombings, mm-hmm. but you know, if you've ever watched uh, Spider Man, uh, Uncle Ben, uh, you know, um, Spider Man's uncle, Peter Peter Parker's uncle, he yeah. tells. Um, Spider-Man, that with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And so I want people to remember that because people say, and even I used to say this, I'm like, man, why do we got to be the police? Because, I mean, I got sent to some crazy places when I was in the Marines. And, and I'm like, why do we got to be the, everybody's police? But with great power comes great responsibility. And the thing is this, is that if, like, let's say somebody's in my house, they're breaking my house, and I call 911, and they say, well, you know what, we're not coming because we don't want to kill the bad man. That would be like us not answering the call and, and, and bombing Syria. I mean, I've seen the videos of little kids twitching on the ground, oh. and uh, I mean, I mean, I wanted to go over there myself. You know, <laughs> let me go push some, let me go hit some switches to send some bombs over there myself. Right. You know, it's just put yourself in that position. Your kids just got Kim attacked, and they're twitching on the ground. Would you want the people who did this to die? Absolutely. I want people to understand that, you know, and that's why we have to do what we do because we are one of the strongest nations. But, you know, I think we're like you, you were asking about what's the state of affairs right now. I think that with 
all these people, you know, all these different groups. I mean, I, I'm not worried about any of those. Possibly if China was to get involved, I would be a little bit concerned. But Russia's here in, a, um, uh, was it Iran? Yeah, um, Iran's with yeah. them. Yeah, yep. yeah, and I wouldn't really be concerned about any any of those guys, really. I know some people may be concerned about Russia, but, you know, there's stuff that we have that, I mean, even the public doesn't even know about, you know, so types of Good. weapons that, yeah, <laughs> that we, we would turn loose and they would wish they wouldn't have messed with us. Good. But it, it's one of those things like, look, I, I, I get Putin trying to save face by saying, hey, guys, don't do that again or we're going to have an issue. He's trying to save face with his people because he wants to show that he has power he don't want to bow down, but we've got to remember that we took out Hitler. We we yep. shut the, the Third Reich out. We're strong. We're a strong nation, and we, we dealt with the Japanese during the same time period, you know, and this was forever ago. So um, I think we're very capable of handling any of that today. Amen. <laughs> That's all I can say. You don't see any kind of war coming to this world. I mean, I think we would we would come out victorious. The problem is, is that like, I don't think there could be conventional, uh, conventional like, um, Red Dawn, like fighting mm-hmm. here in the U.S. What I would be afraid of though is guerrilla attacks. I mean, if I was wanting right. to, you know, cause problems here, I would send some some operatives over here and just start setting off bombs in places. You know, right. I mean, terrorism is so strong of a weapon where you you have the public scared that. I might I might get blown up, I might get killed, but you know, right. it's such a strong weapon that that people don't even realize. Um, it's so such a psychological weapon, and, you, it and is. it's so hard to defend against. I mean, you look at the Boston bombing, you know, something like that. I mean, how can you defend against that? Some random oh, right. guy, that, and That's, you know, right? Exactly. Those things could happen, you know. And and I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their level of technology is. Maybe they could get something over here, or some type of weapon. I do think that if they hit us, you know, with a, a massive weapon, that I mean, it would probably cause some issues here. Um, I think that you know we have a, a good field plan advantage. You know, we we we're out here in the middle of nowhere, so it's kind of hard to get to us. Just be vigilant. You know, if if you see something crazy, you know, yeah, um, pay pay attention. Use your situational awareness. Could you go over what it is and what things people can do to stay safe today? We're, we feel so safe. We're in a bubble. We don't think anything's going to happen to us. And, and mm-hmm. you know, you, I mean, there's gang shootings. People are getting hit by stray bullets. And just, you know, you got active shooters. Keep your head up. I mean, number one, pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, stay off your cell phone. I see a lot of people, I guess, because they get, like, nervous. I think it's like a nervous habit. Uh, it was a, an addiction, too. You know, I... <laughs> My my wife was telling me the other day that actually these app companies have hired like addiction specialists to develop these apps so you're addicted, so you have to look at them every 15 minutes. You know, stay off the apps when you're walking, um, you know, and yeah. don't be talking on the phone. I, I notice a lot of people will walk and, and talk, and I actually talk to my wife about this because she's notorious for that. She'll feel like, can I talk to you on the phone while I'm walking? No, you need to stay off the phone. You know what I mean? I'm way away from you, and I can't help you if something bad happens. So you right, need, you a, need scree- to a scream phone. in the phone is not going to help me. Exactly. You. Right. Exactly. So stealth the phone, you know, period. Um, and be careful where you place yourself. You know, if you have to walk in, in like a trans, what they call transitional spaces, where you're walking from a shopping center to a parking lot, 
you know, to the parking lot as a transitional space up into your vehicle, pay attention. I mean, there's so many robberies that happen in broad daylight, and I live in a very safe place, and they even happen here, you know, in parking lots. Get to your car, pay attention, be looking around, and get to your car and lock yourself in your car and, and do whatever you got to do then, drive away, you know. Criminals are going to look for an opportunity. They see someone not paying attention, that's an opportunity. You can startle that person. They're going to, you know, do whatever you, they, you say because, you know, they're reacting to what, you know, the situation. Whereas if you're paying attention, they're probably not going to mess with you because they know you're alert. In my DVD I have on Survival, Escape, and Evasion, you can pick up on Amazon, um, I talk a lot about cell phone complacency and it, and it being just a, you know, killer for your situational awareness because it dulls the senses. So I've got I've got some videos on YouTube about how to develop your situational awareness and remember uh, your your uh, short-term memory, um, like something like the Kim's Game and stuff like that. Uh, you can look all those up. Just type in social engineering on, uh, and Black Scout on YouTube and you can find those videos. And I talk a lot about different ways to um, do that and, and develop that situational awareness. Excellent. Now, there are some locations that don't allow guns. There are also people who, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable, don't believe in it, whatever it is, would still like to, you know, have some sort of protection for themselves. What do you recommend somebody, <clears throat> let's just call it squeamish about guns, who just can't, can't or doesn't want to carry a gun all the time, like I'm sure you and I both do. Don't try to mess mm-hmm. with us <laughs> and my husband right. because I'm always armed unless I'm on a plane and then it's underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get to it, but I'll do something else. Um, what, what do you recommend for people like that um, to carry around or have or use um, that might be available pretty much all the time for them on their person. So if, you know, outside of airplanes, a knife, um, uh, uh, in a, in a, what I call a six inch fight, like I'm that close to you, I want Mm -hmm. a knife. I would rather have a knife than a gun because I will do so much work on you that, I mean, in the, in about 10 seconds that it'll be ball game, you know? Okay. Well, Um, well, let me stop you right there. Okay, I'm. Let's say I'm untrained with knives. What am I going for? Just give me a real quick. What am I going for with that knife? What am I hitting with on that, that person? If you got a knife and you're untrained, go for neck and eyes, neck, neck and face. Neck and you know, neck and uh, soft, yeah. soft tissue on the face. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go for that. I mean, that's gonna that's gonna send them away real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're in a, a more vulnerable position, obviously hit in the lower part of the body. Um, where the organs are on the sides, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. But definitely neck and and, and face. Um, okay. And, and just and just be violent, quick. Repeatedly. Um, yeah, repeatedly. Don't stop. Never stop. Don't stop. Until they stop. Um, yeah. And usually, like a small fixed blade is the best thing. It's something that you can deploy very quickly. Like I carry a tactical folder, like a folding knife, you know, with a little uh-huh. clip. But in a stressful situation, even a trained person has a hard time getting that out. You know, so I would try to carry a fixed blade if you can. Now, I know legal restrictions in certain places you can't do that, but they make a lot uh-huh. of self-defense uh, fixed blades. One of my favorites is one called a Benchmade uh, Sock P. And I've got a video showing, like, techniques with this on, on YouTube as well. But it's basically a short, like, stabbing 
um, self-defense weapon. It's very slim. You can conceal it about anywhere. Even if you're wearing yoga pants, you can put it on. And it has a ring, which I like, too. The ring is for retention. You can grab it under stress. Mm-hmm. You can find that ring and, and deploy the, the knife. Now, that's ideal. Now, like, you know, you being in the, in the medical profession, they also make a sock tee that doesn't have a blade that has a um, seatbelt cutter and a glass breaker for medical professionals. Now, this thing is just as devastating as the mm-hmm. blade. You know, I mean, so it, I, I've had some friends in the, in the medical profession ask me, said, hey, I can't carry a knife. And I said, well, get this, because, I mean, it's going to do the same type of damage, and it's, it can be legally carried anywhere. That's a, a good thing. Now, also, with the, if you can't do that, you know, carry a, a, a small folding knife. Hopefully you can deploy it in the time. If you're walking, especially in a, in a, fe- a female, if I'm walking, if I'm a female walking in a, a you know dark parking garage, I'm gonna have that knife out. I mean, just let's right. be honest. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have it concealed. You know, you're not gonna be able to see that I got it out, but I'm gonna ha- have it the knife unfolded, ready ready to deploy. If we if we go beyond the the knives, being in the medical field, you know what the damage a knife can do. I mean, it, it is yeah. devastating. You know, I do not. I would rather be shot. Well, at least not in a vital organ, obviously, than, than cut because cuts are very nasty, you know, stabs and stuff like that. But, yeah, oh, yeah. like we were saying, just repeat repeat the, the pattern. Don't stop until they stop. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the FBI used to uh, train their folks to, you know, uh, one shot, but then the people were still uh, shooting, the bad guy was still shooting back, and the FBI agents were getting killed. So they taught them to shoot until the man is down. So the right. same thing with, with the knife, you know. Going beyond that, you can't carry a knife on an airplane. So, so we have right. to, you know, think outside the box. So, outside the box on that, I carry a, a metal, a steel-barreled ink pen. Um, I, I, I like one called a Fellholter. It's like a hundred-dollar pen, but I mean, it's, wait, what's that called again? It's a, a Fellholter TI bolt or tie bolt. It's a very expensive pen. It's made of titanium. It doesn't look tactical, and it's. Very nice pen, but I understand everybody doesn't have a budget for a hundred dollar ink pen. But I mean, I write all the time, and I'm going to write the rest of my life, so this pen's going to last me forever. So I see it as a very small, and I can carry this on an airplane. Then there's uh, you can get a zebra pen, the 701, which is this complete steel barrel pen for about seven dollars, and you can get it at Walmart, I think, Target. It it can be used the same way, and, and you're going to use it just like you would a knife. You don't want an ice pick grip, so reverse grip. And you're going to jab for those um, eyes, you know, soft tissue areas, and stab as hard as you can, and repeat and repeat and repeat. And that's something that you can carry on an airplane. Kind of segueing into something else, another uh, non-bladed weapon is a flashlight. And I always carry one of those on an airplane, ink, ink pen and a flashlight, you know, and this is something I can use to fight with. Let me ask you one question about flashlights. I actually have a couple of flashlights, of course, that have the jagged edges on the, the end of yeah. it, almost like... How would you describe that? Like um, Dracula teeth, yeah. sharp. It, it's a stri- strike bezel, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's the official name, strike bezel. Thank you. Also, I have one that gives a little jolt, but I don't think it would do oh. much, especially with somebody who's a little hyped up on something. I, yeah. I just don't see that as a as something that would be no. good for stopping somebody. What do you? How do you feel about those? Yeah, so the, the stun gun things, they don't work. I mean, I, yeah. I, I can take one and put it to myself, and, and it doesn't even bother me. It's not going right. to stop, you know, a 200-pound man. It's more like a um, tickle to them, probably. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it might make it, them it laugh, feels, but it's probably not going to stop them, right? It feels weird. You know, you, you don't like it, but it ain't uh-huh. going to stop you. 
you know, um, I would definitely carry uh, like pepper spray over over um, a stun gun. Yeah, I've been I have pepper sprayed. Both of my kids pepper spray. Oh, that's terrible stuff. Like it's nasty. You know, um, <laughs> I got pepper sprayed before in the Marines for training, and and I said that if I ever get pepper sprayed again, I'm going to try to kill the person who pepper sprayed me. <laughs> oh, it was that bad. It was oh, that no. bad. Okay, well, again, let me ask you this. You've got, I mean, you see these in these police videos. They don't want to shoot the guy. Obviously, he's on something, I don't know, meth, uh, hyped up, and they pepper spray him, and the guy just, like, gets up and keeps going. How effective is this pepper spray for somebody? Well, you know, someone on drugs, obviously, is going to be totally different because, I mean, I've seen guys shot on drugs in, in, in videos for, you know, ISIS. They mm-hmm. they get like you know doped up and they'll yeah. and they'll you know you can shoot them like you know fifty times and they're still going like a zombie and it's because of these drugs you know I mean so the the drug thing does add something to the equation the other problem is that pepper spray does not work for everyone else a small group of people like it's not a lot but there's uh-huh. some people that can get pepper sprayed and it doesn't even bother them no um, so you you have that group of people too um, I so didn't these realize are, there these are people are, immune to that. Yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, it's a very minute uh, group of people in the in the world, but these non-lethal substance options is going to put you at a disadvantage. I always suggest either training in some type of uh, combative system. Um, it can be short term, just practice a few moves because this is the this is the deal. Is that a lot of people don't understand? It's that it's an, it's an experience thing, and it's even if you just take a few days out of your week and just a few minutes out of your day and just punch on something you know what i mean right. uh do, you know get get your uh significant other hold up some mitts and just do some punching uh try, try some hammer fists because it's all about the experience aspect that's how fighters win guys who train yep. in fighting it doesn't matter what combative system or martial art but they've had experience in this they've been in this situation before so they can respond Automatically. Like, uh, automatically. Yeah, automatically. It's memory. Automatically. It's stuck in your head. It just comes up. You don't have to think about it. I took boxing classes. In fact, they wanted oh, yeah, me to box. Exactly. They wanted me to go in the ring. I'm like, no, I'll kill somebody. Don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it will come back. I mean. Exactly. Yeah, know. it will. And, and those are those are some things. I know everybody doesn't have time or the money to go, you know, get, get trained in jiu-jitsu and stuff like that. But, you know, there's plenty of DVDs out there. You can practice with your loved one, practice, the, you know, one, two days a week, um, and just and just build a good foundation. I, uh, self-defense system or knowledge, you, you can't be taken away from you. That's right. You know, so you always have it with you. Back to your flashlight question, the the one with the uh, taser. The buzz. It's yeah. the buzz. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I probably wouldn't um, use that one. But the one with the strike bezel, if it has the aggressive strike bezel, I mean, that's going to be bad. It's going to hurt you. And going yep. forward, then, we're going to talk a little bit about my, my new flashlight design. I do want to talk about your flashlight. I just have one more question. Do you yeah, know yeah. If, if those Strike bezels. Do you know if that's allowed on TSA? Have they had no, issues? It is not allowed on TSA. Yeah, it's not. I, I've actually had problems with flashlights with a very mild crenellated bezel on it, um, you know, not even a real strike bezel. They've gave, given me problems before. So I worked out with this company, A-Tactical. There's two issues I have with flashlight companies. Mm-hmm. The strike bezel, I can't take on an airplane where I really need it because anywhere right. else i got my knife or my gun, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke you or stab you one another. Then the red lens thing, like nobody understands, like – 
people in the military understand, but nobody outside the military understands that you got to have a red filter. I've got to be able to, you know, make a lower, sig- lower visible signature with my light, and also I don't want to kill my night vision. You know what I mean? My my night, my eyes have adjusted to nighttime, so we use red lens to to not, you know, mess up. Because you know, if you're in the dark and then you, your night eyes have adjusted, you see a white light, it totally screws that up. It takes actually Uh-oh. 30 to 45, you, you 30 have a 45 halo. minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, Flashers it's 30, or a halo? Yeah. So 30 to 45 minutes, you're screwed with your night vision. So that's why we use red lenses in the military and to create a lower visible signature so the bad guy can't see me out there. So I, I worked with this new company called A-Tactical. They're kind of like a, um, a sister company to uh, Through Night, and these flashlights are, like, indestructible. They're the company. I, I've done everything to these flashlights. They're pretty much indestructible. So I was happy to work with them. Now, the thing was is I had initially talked to a, a larger flashlight company, and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you know, they were talking about, you know, making the flashlight 200 some odd dollars, but I, I wanted to make something low cost that everybody can afford, so I got with a tactical, and we're going to try to make this light around 50 to $60. I'm not 100% sure. The light takes a rechargeable 18650, so the, the light can recharge on its own. You know, you don't need any crazy stuff. It comes with one cable. It charges directly into the battery. So you can recharge at any time. You can carry extra batteries, all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Then the main key of the flashlight, it has a strike bezel on it that can be unscrewed. So, uh-huh. and it's the the whole light's in desert tan because I wanted something to blend in with the you know terrain outside. So you're going through TSA, and I hope to do a test run of this in the next few weeks because I'm getting they're sending me the the uh, prototype. I'm going to try to fly with it. So unscrew the, the uh, bezel, and then you just have the flashlight there and throw the bezel either on your finger like a ring. You put it on your oh, keychain yeah. or throw it in your bag, and they're not going to know what it is. You oh, get the TSA, great you screw idea. it back on. Especially on your key ring. I love that yeah. idea because everybody has all kinds of crazy stuff on their key ring. Exactly. That, it'll exactly. look like a key ring. It'll look like a crown is what it'll look like on your key ring. You know what I mean? It'll look like you have a little crown on your key Right, like it's a king. Okay. Ca- coyote tan, and it has like a goldish tint to it, so it's going to look like a crown. And if somebody asks you, say that, oh, that's just a crown ornament. And there so you then, go. you know, screw it back on your light, get to TSA, now you have, you, you have, you're prepared. That's awesome. Um, it also has uh, the red lens will screw into, like you remove the bezel and screw in the red lens. So mm-hmm. that way you always have a red filter. So, you know, you guys, it's four deployed, you know, you're over there killing bad guys for us. But, you know, you're not going to actually hit your light and shine a red light, I mean a white light in the darkness. So I hope to get into some uh, military guys' hands to this four deployed, get them to test it out as well, see how they like how many it. Lum- it. How many lumens is it? So I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's around 1,100 lumens on high. Okay. It's going to have a, adjustable modes. We're going to have SOS. So this is the, the other thing I want. I want an SOS. With, that way I can put the red lens on there with SOS. Yeah. Because SOS with a white light kind of um, looks, it looks like it can be anything. So put that red lens on there. It's going to do like a, a strobe effect. Yeah. Right. And then we also have the, the strobe for, you know, dis, disorientation. And yeah. then we have, you know, we're going to have a low, medium, and high uh, in, in a turbo mode. So it's going to be very adjustable, awesome. And I'm, I'm hoping it goes well. They're going to come. They're making a thousand units right now, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping to get a weapon-mounted 
um, bracket for this as well, get them to make that. So this that way you can use this. I want this light to be able to be used for every situation. You know, you can use it just hiking. You can use it for self-defense. You can use mm -hmm. it for, you know, military guys. You can attach it to your AR-15, you know, and, and just a, I want a lot of different uh, capabilities with this light. Excellent. Well, that is really exciting. And it sounds like you put a ton of thought into it which is awesome. A lot of people just put together products. They're like, oh, well, let me see if this sells. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's how it is. Anytime that I've came up with something, it's always been out of a need. It's like I want right. want or need this and nobody else mm -hmm. has it. And, I mean, that's a rare thing because, you know, I mean, there's so many smart people out there today, and, and, uh, and, I, and I work with a lot of smart people, you know. And, and this is one of those things that's just been bugging me for years, and I'm like, man, I cannot get what I want on a flashlight, you know. <laughs> and and, I, and I've got these, you know, $220 Surefires that can only get two modes, you know, and, I, and, it, and it either has a strike bezel, and then if it has a strike yeah. bezel, you can't get it with the red lens. And it's like nobody has anything I want. You know, and so basically it's not like I really created anything but added a bunch of things that I wanted, and I needed exactly. to be able to get this on an airplane. You know what I mean? I, I was like, anywhere else in the world I've got a knife and a gun, so I, I need sure. this on the airplane, you know. Awesome news about the flashlight. And folks, okay. if you've been listening and you're trying to write it down, don't worry. We'll make sure that it is in writing for you to see. Wow, we've been talking for a while, but um, I know we were going to get to some other stuff. And indeed, there is more to come from Nurse Amy and Jack of Black Scout Survival next week when we'll talk about his popular YouTube channel and other topics. That's all for today, though. Thanks for listening to the Survival Medicine Hour. This is Joe Alton wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. See you next week. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. Contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.